and you're listening to Dream Infringement. Dream Infringement is a super squad of three friends. Three friends that have the same mutual love for radio and have always dreamt of being on the radio. Our dream of being on the radio was discovered one cold and rainy winter's evening and we decided that we would go down the road of producing a radio show and then pitching it to KSKQ. And long story short... They picked us up. And we're here. And we never looked back. Here at Dream Infringement, we like to tell stories and play music based on a weekly theme. This week, our theme is... All about second chances. And you might be wondering, second chances? What do they mean by that, second chances? Well... I. I don't think anyone is wondering. I think everybody knows what we mean by second chances. Well, let me let me give you for those of you who maybe don't, you know, quite get this theme, um, and need a little bit more explanation. I'll just I'll just uh, uh, explain it to you in the song stylings of um, those nineteen thirties. Uh, smoke bars where an old man wearing a red velvet sports coat is uh, singing to everybody as they um, slowly fall asleep and uh, sway to the music. All right, let's hear it. All right. There's some times when you might feel like you need a second chance well guess what here's your chance you'll get that chance one day just keep trying don't give up just keep trying your time isn't up just keep trying and you just might make it my man or woman just keep trying and grease that hair just keep trying and hem those pants just keep trying and don't forget that the world is built on second chance is okay well that's the song that was beautiful oh thank you well we're gonna hit you with a song break and kicking things off we have Peter Bjorn and John with a real song about second chances called Second Chance. Can you dig it? And you flew out of the nest, you made a mistake, flew all the way back. When you got back to your tent, one minute too late. At times I can be really empathetic and give people chances that they may not deserve. But I also have trauma in my past with a covert narcissist father. And though that could have played out many different ways, for me, it did not make me a people pleaser. And it made me very stubborn and have sometimes a very black and white line in my relationship sometimes, where if something went over the line, I could cut people out of my life. Last summer when a friend from the past showed up, they proved to be really toxic. And 
I knew that I didn't like talking to them, that it was very stressful, that it made me angry, it made me cry, it made me feel sick to my stomach. I couldn't figure out why I was dragging my heels on kind of cutting them off from my life until I realized that the dynamic with this person was very similar to the dynamic I had with my dad, where as narcissists will, they don't like to take personal responsibility. I was a sensitive kid and I cared very deeply about right and wrong and the finite truth of things. And my dad would always warp the narrative that it was always the fault of something or someone else. This is how you can do something wrong and yet still end up being the victim in the stories you tell and how you see yourself in your mind. Child me could not let it go. And I kept thinking, okay, if I just explain this correctly, very logically, he will understand, he will stop justifying things, he will take personal responsibility. It never occurred to me that it did not matter how logical my dissertation was, he didn't want it. He did not want to change the narrative. I mean, that's more than half the battle. So there was always an impasse. And I found myself arguing the same way with this person, just still trying to get someone to understand. So asking someone to respect boundaries, I kept thinking, I'm just not explaining it right. Surely if I explain it correctly, they would realize how much stress this was causing me and stop doing it. But if they really cared about my welfare, they would care about my welfare. This wasn't friendship. These were actually the selfish actions of someone who alienated most of the people they knew with this behavior. And I was just a new person that they could install in a supporting role. After I went through cancer, I tried to cut out things that were causing me a lot of stress. And I made some very drastic decisions and changes to kind of protect myself. And so the audacity of someone to come barging in with their chronic chaos and making me cry, <laughs> I, I don't want that. That can go away. So. I wrote a courtesy text and then I blocked them from everything and it made me feel sad and slightly guilty, but I was so much happier after and Bobby and Emily and my mom probably were as well because they were thoroughly sick of hearing about it. But that's the thing with chances. When it's in your power to give someone a second or third chance, it's given with the expectation that the other person will not repeat the offense. It is an offering of transitory trust. You're being allowed to prove that you can live up to the promise that you made. Uh, so if the other person is incapable of redeeming and paying back that trust back in full, sometimes you have to send a courtesy text and block them and go on with your life. But the chances are you'll be much better for it. The song I'm playing is Sunburn by Muse.
Emily, please give me a second chance. Please, I, I'm begging you. Please give me a second chance. I'll think about it. But first, let's go over five questions a person should ask themselves before giving a second chance. Oh. To find out if you deserve a second chance. Uh, so is this like in a relationship? Yeah, but there's all kinds of relationships. Ooh. So you could apply it. It doesn't have to be romantic. It could be like a work relationship. A friendship even. Okay. And are we to assume that the person that we're even considering the possibility of giving them a second chance, that they've possibly ruined things for for themselves? Like, did things end terribly? Are you asking me? Yeah, like like what kind of a second chance are we giving these? People? Yeah, betrayal. If someone betrays you. If someone has shown them shown through their actions uh words or deeds that they are not someone that you care to be in a relationship with in whatever type of relationship that might be. But they're asking you to give them a second chance. Yes. I feel like somehow that's, that made it more confusing. Yes, the situation would be that someone has betrayed you. Maybe it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, wife, could be a best friend, could be a just, you know, second string friend. Could it be like you're at the fair and the person that is running the ride uh pulled the wrong lever uh rendering the ride uh possibly dangerous and you didn't have a very good time and so now you're considering the possibility of getting on that ride again will you give the ride operator a second chance i'm sure there are elements that you could apply okay to that situation all right so i'm going to be imagining that situation for all of you listeners that's what i'm going to be imagining okay let's run with it okay or ride with it <laughs> so first of all uh some some things are just unforgivable oh well now you tell me <laughs> <laughs> and no one should feel obligated to forgive an unforgivable crime against themselves. Yeah, and you can be the judge of that. Because, right. Because one man's unforgivable crime might be another person's, you know, forgivable forgivable, forgivable crime. And I, I mean, we're not talking crime as in like, you know, no, no, we're not talking about. We're not talking about like breaking the crime. law. <laughs> yeah. So, it's it's up to you. It's up to you whether you decide to uh, forgive or not to forgive. But there are five questions a person can ask themselves before giving their friend or partner or a uh, ride operator at a fair <laughs> second mm -hmm. chance yeah so the first question is 
sorry, I was just laughing about it being applied to a right <laughs> operator. But anyway, the first question is, are they owning their mistake? Okay, mm. yeah. That's big because because a lot of times when someone has made an offense towards you, um, that is the hardest pill to swallow, being the offended. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that maybe the offender uh, doesn't even acknowledge that they did anything wrong. In fact, might even think they were doing you a favor. Yeah, or gaslighting you and de- completely denying it. So, you know, you need to look at this person and decide if they, if you feel that they have... Uh, are taking responsibility for their own actions. If they're not willing to admit they've made a mistake, then they're going to repeat it. If the ride operator says, no, I didn't do that. I didn't pull the wrong lever. Then you better bet your bottom dollar they're going to keep pulling the wrong lever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't trust. Don't trust a ride operator that that thinks it's okay that to pull the wrong lever. No. Um, and it shows a lack of remorse and a lack of respect if they don't own up to their mistakes. You got to have respect. If you're going to give someone a second chance, you have to, you have to at least, uh, have, have a, like a whisper of trust that they are going to respect you and not put you in that same situation again exactly okay so say that your ride operator has admitted their mistake yes i i pulled the wrong lever i'm sorry and (laughs) i i shouldn't have done that i shouldn't have done it i should have done it i know it was scary for all of you to be just like jerking through the air with with not the greatest of ease um and i'm sorry okay say they've done that now this yeah yeah okay still gonna no, I'm done. run with this yeah. okay the second question that you need to ask yourself is are they willing to change so this person has this behavior of or maybe a habit of pulling the wrong lever and maybe and they've acknowledged it i did it it was me mm-hmm. but are they willing to then change it? Or are they going to say, but you know what? I actually really enjoy it. I enjoy seeing people afraid for their lives and I will not stop pulling the wrong lever. Or or will they will they make a change and say, I'm going back to Carney school. I'm going to relearn everything that I ever knew. I'm throwing, I'm just, I'm going to forget everything I knew. I have ever learned about, you know, operating uh, fair rides and I'm going to re-educate myself, learn the right way, set things straight. Okay, and if that is their choice to to change the behavior, then you move on to the next question, which is have they made <laughs> sorry, it's just really funny. <laughs> have they made promises before? Has your ride operator promised <laughs> you that they would? Pull the wrong, pull the right, sorry. That this ride (laughs) 
would be enjoyable and smooth and give you give you the the fear that you paid you know that you bought tickets for the proper amount of fear the controlled fear that we all experience when we ride on fair rides or or are they giving you you know an unnatural fear that you did not sign up for yeah well if they've if if they have promised not to do that the thing they're doing but they keep doing it again and again don't that's no that don't trust them that's not fun it's like the person who you know you're getting in the car and then the driver pulls forward every Ugh. time that's stop that and they're like now. all right all right come on you can get in exactly I'm, i won't do it i promise yeah so we need to decipher if if that is something they're going to continue doing if they if they're showing that they can change then you move on to the next question and it is the penultimate question oh wow which means second to last. And that question is, do you still trust them? All right? So that's that's more... This is more of an introspective question. Because up until then, you have been looking at the subject, looking at the person that you're considering giving a second chance. At this point, at the penultimate question, you are now turning... You're turning the camera... To yours truly. Yeah, inward. Towards yourself. Mm -hmm. Do I, ask yourself, do I still trust them? Do I? And, and yes, there are many ways that we can trick ourselves into thinking, well, yeah, I mean, you know, they said this, they say, they said that. How could I not trust them? They've proved themselves. But at the core, at the deepest parts of your guts, do you trust them? Exactly. Yeah. So, if your answer to do you trust them is, yeah, I do, then the ultimate and last question you need to ask yourself is, do you still love them? Oh, yeah. So, if, <laughs> if this is a fair ride operator, um, it's likely love is not involved, okay? Uh, maybe love of the ride, love of the thrill of riding on a fair ride. That could be. Yeah. Let's go with that for this okay. uh, metaphor. But but if you are in love with the carny, that is... I'm not sure that that's not derogatory. Okay. Well, if you are in love with the ride, the fair ride operator, um, then there's some... You know, things are a little more complicated for you. Maybe in the midst of all of this, you've fallen in love with the fair ride operator. Who knows? Which would create a real mixed up situation for you internally. For that, I'm sorry. I wish I we could help you with that kind of complex situation. But dream infringement, we just don't. We don't have the, you know, we we don't have the the assets to help you in that way or the degrees or the degrees but what we do have is the ability to google um questions you know and then do do re internet research which is what we're doing right now correct so if you don't feel love for this person anymore or even worse you now resent or hate them then maybe it's time 
that you move on. Mm -hmm. Move on to the next ride. Yeah. See how that goes. (laughs) Because really, isn't life just, you know, one, one fair ride after another, hoping that, you know, the fair ride operator is just trustworthy enough for you to, you know, put your life in their hands and get the controlled thrill that we all are, you know, buying tickets for. That is true. And if you decide to stay with the person and maybe you'll, I messed it up. It's all right. (laughs) Start over. I could edit it out, but you all need to know that I am human and make mistakes. Okay, let's Mm -hmm. go back. And if you decide that you do love the person, then maybe you'll just say, hey, let's stay together. (gasps) And you will. And then you'll listen to Let's Stay Together by Al Green. Oh, yeah. Honey, I think I can handle that. Picture it. You're a young Catholic teenage girl in Belgium around 1844, seated on a pew. On your left is your parents, on your right is all your siblings. And the words the priest says begin to float away as you stare longingly at a figure immediately below the priest. Your mother elbows you sharply, Anna! Eyes on the priest! Pay attention, and you jerk your gaze back to the old, grizzled, did I say old, priest. But you can't help it. Without even thinking, you look over to him. Oh, yes. His beauty is not of this world. His fine, fair features, his pensive gaze, so delicate, so masculine, his bare chest, smooth and luminous, his hair always perfectly falling in soft, cascading waves. Even his bare feet are beautiful, refined, and the bat's wings arcing up over his head are mesmerizing. As you are again elbowed sharply by your mother, Anna, how dare you blaspheme the Lord by looking at Lucifer? For shame, Anna. Your cheeks turn bright red, and you stare at your hands in your lap for the rest of the sermon. That's right. You were caught ogling Satan in church again. You see, in 1837, Guillaume Gifs was in charge of designing a very elaborate pulpit for St. Paul's. The theme, the triumph of religion over the genius of evil, It included representation of saints and different bishops and religious men. And of course, evil, Satan too, would be depicted. The commission was originally awarded to Geef's younger brother, Joseph, who completed it in 1842 and installed it the following year. Lucifer 1.0 was revealed. A classically attractive young man 
chained and seated nearly nude, but for some strategic drapery gathered over his thighs. It generated controversy at once and was criticized for not representing a Christian ideal. The cathedral administration declared that this devil is too sublime. Because of its distracting allure and unhealthy beauty, the local press intimated that the work was distracting the pretty penitent girls who should have been listening to the sermons. Bishop Van Bommel perhaps thought, no one puts baby in a corner, and refused to be outshined by the Prince of Darkness, and he soon ordered the removal of Lange du Mal, and they said, hey, hey, Guillaume, big bro, what do you think about maybe doing a little carvey-carve in your spare time, maybe like a horrific, demonic, scary devil, you know, for the girls, keep them on the straight and narrow, you know, and Guillaume apparently complied, and Satan 2.0 was installed in 1848. We haven't heard from the artist, but it can only be surmised that he sought to address some of the criticisms that were received by his younger brother's sculpture. His shows a bit less flesh. This Satan keeps his legs closed. There's much more drapery, and he's much more muscular. So much muscles, because girls don't like that. And, he, you know, he threw in some horns and some talons. To repeat the article that I read, whether he succeeded in removing the seductive elements may be a matter of individual perception. Because for most of us, Satan 1.0 was... It was like having a little Britney Spears moment of not a girl, but not yet a woman, but 2.0, oh, that's a man. Like a what a, what a man, what a man, what a mighty personification of all that is evil kind of man. But the committee was like, I mean, this really completely solved our problem. That totally fixed it. No one will stare at sexy Satan instead of the 70-year-old man talking in Latin for an hour. Surely not. So personally, this is what I think happened. I think all the ladies got together one evening and were like, okay, look, they took Satan 1.0 away because it was too obvious we were distracted. And this may be the hardest thing we've ever done, but if we want to keep 2.0 around, if we don't want to lose the good thing we've got here, we need to be more discreet and maybe say some things like, ooh, those disgusting muscles, hideous really, those perfect cheekbones, that lush hair, so revolting. I can barely tolerate looking at it, but I must. It is a sacrifice I must make to uh, prove my devotion. Yeah, mm-hmm and it worked perfectly and no one found out until this my expose maybe the song is by avril levine and it is called i fell in love with the devil you're no good for me i fell in love with the devil and now i'm in trouble i fell in love with the devil i'm underneath 
Hi there, this is Bobby. So you know that Emily and Jennifer and myself, we are all very good friends. And one thing that maybe the casual listener might not put together until now is that Emily and I, although we are just, although we are co-hosts on the radio, we are also co-hosts in real life. That's right, we made it official. We are married. We got married a long time ago, over a decade ago. And uh, this is exciting stuff. So we decided, you know, we, we are friends with Jennifer and we decided let's, let's start a radio show. Uh, but, but we didn't always have the kind of friendship that had the backbone to start a radio show, that had the foundation to start a a story and music uh themed radio show um that's right it it started uh with a little bit of some complicated origins uh emily and jennifer were really good friends and then i came along and i kind of like separated that i know jennifer had a really hard time when i arrived on the scene i don't blame her because uh when emily and i uh, started dating we were all about each other and we spent a lot of time together and our relationship progressed to you know engagement and then marriage and then we started our life together and Jennifer admits this she's mentioned it even in in past episodes that it was something that she had a really hard time with um, that kind of separation um, she was worried that I would take Emily away um, for good and that Emily would never have any more time or interest in spending time with Jennifer as the friend that they you know with the friendship that they once had but what Jennifer didn't realize is that the qualities that she possesses are the very same qualities that I value in a friend and I knew that Jennifer was having a hard time when we were dating um, with with me, like kind of like taking Emily um, away from that friendship. It's just like it's the way you know the the natural progression of things. That's kind of how it goes sometimes. Um, and I know she was having a hard time, and I remember thinking to myself, "It's gonna be okay." Um, it, it, if Jennifer has the patience and can give me the time, she's going to realize like how great I am. I just knew, I, I knew like we could have a really great friendship. And I was always really excited when Emily would make plans with Jennifer and we get to like sit down and eat Chinese food together or like go to a coffee shop or go to the movies together. Like I was excited to be a part of that. I never felt like, okay, well, that's Emily's friendship. You know, I don't, I don't need to, like, I don't need to invest anything into that. It was the opposite. Like, I, I felt drawn to Jennifer. And, uh, and so as um, our, you know, as the years rolled on, um, Jennifer saw that I wasn't this wedge that was going to, like, take Emily away from their friendship that I wanted to support that and in fact wanted to also be a part of that friendship and um, 
that's just how I felt. And so I'm grateful that Jennifer gave me a second chance. Uh, I know that it was initially difficult for her, and I don't blame her. I, if I was in her shoes, I would have had a hard time with myself coming onto the scene. I'm a very all-enveloping, charismatic, um, just uh, imaginative, loud person at times. And so that might be a little bit off-putting, you know, for somebody in Jennifer's shoes. But again, glad that she gave me a second chance. And um, I'm nobody special, but I'm glad that I'm special enough to be friends with Jennifer and special enough to be friends and, you know, husband of Emily. So here is a song that I have chosen. It is from a very special cartoon by the name of Steven Universe. It's, uh, it's from the perspective of the main character named Steven. It's the perspective of his dad. Uh, his dad's name is uh, Greg Universe. Yeah, Greg Universe. And this song is called Let Me Drive My Van Into Your Heart. And it's so sweet because Greg Universe just like owns a car wash. And he's a very simple, humble man. Um, but he has a lot of heart. And he is there for the people that he cares about. And so here's that song, Let Me Drive My Van Into Your Heart, uh, sung by Tom Sharpling. I know I don't have a plan. I'm working on that part. At least I've got a van. So let me drive my van into your heart. Let me drive my van into your heart. Let me drive my van into your heart. So, Emily. Yes, Bobby? So, I'm going to give you some movie uh some vague movie plots and i want you to tell me what all of these vague movie plots have in common are you ready i'm ready okay so cave a caveman freezes thousands of years ago billions of years ago maybe i don't know how they how the timeline works and then he dethaws in modern-day Southern California, only to discover that he's got to go back to high school and get an education. Okay. And the second one. Do I have to name the movie? Because I know what movie that is. You don't have to. Encino Man. Uh, I just wanted the people at home to be screaming into their radios. I'm sorry. It's okay. So uh, here's another movie. Okay, uh, a, a, a an adventurer, okay, uh, tries to find a cursed a cursed tomb in modern day Egypt, but modern day is really like the 1930s, I think. And uh, he finds love in addition to, some cursed bones that come alive and try to kill him the mummy yes the mummy okay um let's see here's another one a baby is raised in the jungle 
and then becomes a very like ripped um long-haired man that is kind of goofy jungle to jungle nope not jungle to tarzan nope not tarzan and uh very poorly done gorilla outfits also are in the movie planet of the apes no and he swings and there's a song that goes like blank 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 i mean it has to be george of the jungle it is so what do all these movies have in common um plot they all starred brandon fraser Brandon Fraser. He, you let me finish my sentence. That's fine. Why am I talking? Why am I talking about Brandon Fraser? Wh- why is he relevant? I mean, he had a he had a career in Hollywood years ago, and has since fallen out of the limelight. So, what's wh- why is he so important? It's because he's getting a second chance. Are you kidding me, Emily? I am not kidding you. Poor Brandon Fraser. He was hot stuff back in the day and then he had some health problems and everyone turned on him people i remember the media being so mean about him like laughing at him how dare they it's funny how much shame uh people got once upon a time for all kinds of different things and now that shame is turning into empowerment yeah so he's gonna be on a in a new movie right yeah, isn't it directed by, like, Martin Scorsese? I think so. I mean, that's big time. It is. And he was on a podcast, and um, everyone was talking about how happy they are for him. That they, we all, all us millennials, we want to see Brendan Fraser back. And I'm sure the other generations. I don't want to be like, it's just millennials. No, it's definitely just us. No it's the other ones too we all want brendan fraser back and the podcast host told brendan fraser this and he got like emotional and i just think that's um you know a second chance well deserved and the reason for the season that is this episode of true infringement that's why we chose the theme second chances it was all because of brandon fraser and i have heard i have also heard i can't give you all the details but he's also going to be part of like the marvel universe i believe which is that's like that's it you're done if you've if you're part of the marvel universe like it it's a done deal you're just be done with hollywood after that you've 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 reached the pinnacle so brennan fraser bring him back bring Bring him him back back. bring him back he's they did bring him back they listened to they heard us from the future and they brought him back yeah they did but you know what we have to go we we must leave now (sighs) say it isn't so emily please please can't we just have a comeback can't we just like go on for another hour just come back in We'll have to come back next Monday. Um, but in the meantime, you can go to Instagram or Facebook or just type in Dream Infringement. I think we're the only people out there with that name. Um, so, yeah, and you can let us know your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams. So do all of that. Don't forget to go to kskq.org. You can see what other shows are coming up stuff you are guaranteed to enjoy like what's coming next 
from 7 to 9, it's World Music Journey with Sophia Blanton. So stick around. Don't touch the dial. Yeah. And listen to more KSKQ. And we have a song prepared for you, which Emily will announce within a few moments. Um, and before she announce it, announces it, I would just like to leave you with one final one final thought-provoking thought. And that is that we all deserve a second chance. Some of us deserve more of a second chance than others. But ultimately, the second chance that you need, it lies within. And if you really deserve a second chance, you'll get it. And it might not come the way that you want it to. It might come in the in the form of um, it might come in the form of somebody knocking on your door or junk mail. Don't forget to look at all the junk mail because they're not all they're not all bills and and they're not all coupons. So just keep that in mind and next time you get a knock on the door, maybe it's not the UPS you know delivery. Maybe it's a long lost friend who's deserving of that second chance. Bobby, we don't have time for a song now. So we'll just have to say goodbye. Okay, bye. Bye.